This is the John Oakley Show podcast. I'm a New Yorker. I know how to take on an arrogant con man like Donald Trump that comes from New York. I'm a mayor, or was a mayor. I know how to run a complicated city, the biggest, most diverse city in this country. That was Michael Bloomberg, uh, perhaps his one shining moment before the gloves came off and everybody went for his jugular. Uh, He was trying to plead the case that he's the most uh, potentially uh, strongest candidate to go up against Donald Trump, as you obviously heard there. Needless to say, last night uh, was blood sport. And it was the first foray into the field for Michael Bloomberg, who thinks that, you know, just coming in late, even after everybody else has uh, sort of staked out their positions and their policies and done all the heavy lifting, you know, in the trenches. Uh, He comes in with a whack of cash, 500 million he spent to this point. And uh, he thinks that that might just trump all the other contenders. Uh, Didn't look good early on. So let's find out exactly who won, who lost last night, Uh, disregarding, of course, the spin doctors who were spinning furiously in the aftermath. On the line with us, Aaron Call, director of debate at the University of Michigan and editor, co-author of Debating the Donald. Aaron, how are you doing this afternoon? Great. Great to be back, joining you from Las Vegas. (laughs) All right. So you were there last night in attendance? Yes, in the uh, media spin room. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay. Uh, I hope you're still not too tainted so you can address uh, with an objective eye who might have won, who lost, who scored critical points, who may have uh, actually, you know, be seen as uh, bloodied and irretrievable on this uh, at this stage. Uh, how did you sort of suss all of this out, Aaron? Sure, sure. On the winning side, I think that um, Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders, and maybe to a little bit less of a degree, Joe Biden had good nights. Uh, Bernie Sanders came into the debate as the uh, presumptive frontrunner, and nothing happened that really changed the narrative of the overall race. Elizabeth Warren did not choose to negatively engage him. Uh, she did go after uh, Michael Bloomberg pretty savagely, and it seems like her campaign is benefiting from a lot of uh, online fundraising after the debate. And finally, Joe Biden may uh, be a winner from the debate. It was one of his better performances, not great, but if there's going to be support that comes from Bloomberg uh, because of a poor inaugural debate performance, that could go to Joe Biden, and he could have a, a strong second-place finish here in Nevada and take some momentum in South Carolina and, and win there. Uh, conversely, I think Amy Klobuchar and, and Michael Bloomberg probably had the worst overall night. Um, you know, you play the clips of uh, Michael Bloomberg. He hadn't debated in 11 years, and it showed, especially in the early part of the debate, uh, like a lot of the attacks on him were predictable and uh, really looked like someone with the deer in the headlights early. Rebounded a little bit late, uh, but it's a tough after you make that really negative first impression. And uh, Amy Klobuchar had a great debate in New Hampshire and an unexpected third-place performance there. But last night, Pete Buttigieg really got under her skin, and you could tell that it negatively impacted her debating, and she uh, had a tough night, which could uh, slow some of that momentum that she got from New Hampshire. Yeah, uh, Buttigieg uh, seemingly was baiting her, and she took the bait. It didn't uh, accrue to her benefit. Now, what you said earlier, you only get one chance in politics, they say, one chance to make a good first impression. So Bloomberg was the wild card. Everybody's watching to see how he might stake out his claim to being uh, the most, you know, potentially uh, the leader of the Dem party. Was he mortally wounded, you think? I mean, Elizabeth Warren came right after him at the jugular talking about, you know, quotes that had been attributed to him when she opened, and her timing was impeccable, too the fat broads, horse face lesbian stuff uh, that a billionaire had uttered, and it wasn't Donald Trump, it's Michael Bloomberg, zap, right between the eyes. Shouldn't he have known that stuff was coming? Yes. Uh, it is inexcusable uh, that he was not prepared for these attacks. And 
His campaign said that he had been preparing for weeks for the debate and had stand-ins emulating the other opponents, but it just didn't look like that at all uh, because all these attacks on the non-disclosure agreements, redlining, stop and frisk, um, a lot of the comments uh, that he's made were all out in the, in the open and public. And so maybe he was just naive and didn't think the other uh, candidates would raise those, but obviously they have the incentive to do so. But initially it did look disqualifying. That first 15, 30 minutes of the debate, I thought, wow, you know, spent, he spent $400 million and it all went away in a matter of minutes. But he did rebound a little bit as the debate went on, uh, and he got, um, you know, a little, bit, uh, a little bit better. And he does have some additional opportunities. There's a debate coming up in South Carolina, and then there'll be a debate in uh, Phoenix. And so he does have some chance to make it up. But the time is really ticking because Super Tuesday is going to be here really quickly. But we'll see if his continued advertisements can overcome a really poor uh, first debate performance. Well, that's the key. Super Tuesday, by the way, uh, the bulk of the delegates, I guess, or uh, about a third of them, uh, 40%, I guess, on March 3rd. Uh, he is banking everything on that. That's why he's just, uh, you know, pushing forward with, uh, well, now in excess of $500 million in ads, uh, swamping the field. Did he resonate last night as one who uh, might have that arrogance, like, you know, money uh, does trump all other considerations? It seemed to me that, uh, and this is what the other candidates were sort of leaning on him for, and Bernie, Bernie no less, uh, you know, talking about how it was immoral to have that kind of money. Uh, can he, with the Democrats, you know, being uh, the woke uh, progressives that they are, ever escape that fact? I mean, this guy, is he still viable because uh, of his richness? He is, but it is more difficult, as you mentioned, to to be that kind of nominee in the Democratic Party, given, you know, their platforms, everything. But the candidates have no trouble, you know, taking his money, um, you know, for Congress or the Senate or uh, a lot of issues that he supports with his money, like climate and gun control. So, you know, as long as the money is used, uh, what they think for a noble and better ends, then, uh, you know, that they, they don't have a problem with that. You know, himself, personally, there definitely did seem to be some arrogance. And kind of the question now is, you've got somebody like President Trump who's in office, and then do you put up a candidate that's kind of the mirror image of him? That would be someone like Bloomberg or do you go for the opposite, someone more like, you know, Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, and to provide a clear contrast to President Trump. And clearly, as we see with the polls, the minds of the voters aren't made up on that. And nobody really knows what the right answer, because everyone thought that Hillary Clinton would be the best, most formidable opponent last time. And we saw that turned out. So there's a lot of skepticism on who is the best person with the best background uh, to face uh, Donald Trump. And everyone is really uh, scarred by what happened in the 2016 election. Again, with Aaron Call, director of debate at the University of Michigan, editor, co-author of Debating the Donald. I heard some of the commentariat in the aftermath last night say that the real winner of last night's debate was, in fact, Donald Trump. Uh, because nobody, I guess, had asserted themselves, or by cannibalizing each other the way they're doing. It's been a while since the Dems have faced that specter, because Hillary was the putative, uh, you know, there was going to be a coronation the last time. And uh, so is that something that accrues to uh, Trump's benefit, that they're cannibalizing each other? Yes, I do think there's a lot of merit in that argument. Um, You know, it's February, and there doesn't seem to be any more kind of coalescing of the Democratic field. You have Bernie Sanders was born on one track. You have a moderate track, which has Bloomberg and Buttigieg and Klobuchar and Biden, and no one is rallying around one particular candidate. And the longer this thing goes on, then, yes, in theory, the more this would help President Trump because there's going to be fractures in the party. No matter who emerges as a nominee, it's going to take months uh, to get you know the coalition back together and, and get over some raw feelings that exist. You saw last night in the hand-raising question about the uh, 
the convention that even if someone has the lead going in, that they could be taken away in kind of a backroom dealing situation. If that were to happen, if Sanders went in with the most delegates, but then they took it away from him in kind of an old backroom deal, then his supporters would be furious and likely not support the Democratic nominee or not vote at the very least. And that'd be very beneficial to President Trump. Well, yeah, some of the Bernie bros are talking about blood in the streets in Milwaukee in July if he gets uh, snookered or somehow they uh, steal it from him with the superdelegates, the 500 superdelegates, who after uh, the first vote, if it's still uh, contested, they get to weigh in. And that was the thing that was uh, the Trump card, I guess, for Hillary the last time around to beat Bernie, too. Uh, She would have played that. So how about this then? Uh, Bernie was the only one who says uh, if he's leading uh, going into the convention, they should support him. But the other said, no, no, let the process play out. So that's indicative of a rift within the party uh, itself, is it not? Definitely. And certainly there's some uh, self-serving answer by Bernie Sanders to say that because he benefits from the most. But it was the first time that those other candidates, I believe all of them, went on record saying that they wanted the process to play out. And that really increases the chances of a contested convention. There hasn't been one in, in, in many years, and uh, it would be good. I, I don't think there'll be blood in the streets. But um, if it results in a really fractured party and you know, people not voting, then that's certainly not going to increase the, the chance of the eventual nominee. But the fact that there are so many moderate candidates and you know, just Bernie Sanders on an island by himself, and he's only getting between 25 and 30 percent of the vote. Um, I, do, I do think it uh, does make it much more likely that some kind of uh, coalition and deal could be struck, and you'll have a very upset Bernie, uh, Bernie Sanders and all of his supporters as well. There's no, you know, no, they'd be very unlikely to vote under that scenario. And if it becomes uh, so divisive within the party itself, uh would you project that there might be low voter turnout for the Dem, uh, whoever is leading their ticket? It's possible. I mean, you could see a third-party candidate emerge. I guess it wouldn't be out of the question if, you know, so depending on how the polls would look, whether someone like uh, Michael Bloomberg, Tulsi Gabbard, you know, run, ran as a third party in that scenario. Turnout so far has been mixed. It was down a little bit in Iowa, but it, it was up in New Hampshire, and it looks like it's up. It's going to be up right now in, in Nevada, especially if you look at the early voting. So uh, right now there is a lot of interest. There's a lot of interest in 2018, but a really fractured, uh, you know, rest of the uh, – convention process and the rest of this race uh, could really, uh, yes, depress the vote. And that's certainly something that President Trump will be counting on to win re-election. Aaron, I got the sense last night some of the folks were throwing haymakers out of desperation. They knew it might be their last gasp uh, you know, because the money may not follow them if they don't look like they're viable going into, you know, uh, I, yeah, South Carolina, certainly Super Tuesday, if they can last that long. Uh If you had to speculate as to who might be paired away from the pack, uh, who would it be? Yeah, I think that Amy Klobuchar, after last night, her campaign would be in the most trouble. Um, she you know, does not really – places like Nevada, South Carolina, aren't great for her demographically. She's never she's not been able to connect with a lot of minority voters yet. Um, Tom Steyer did not participate in the debate. He's obviously able to self-fund his own campaign. But, you know, if he doesn't do well in South Carolina, I would expect him to be out of the race. Recently, we lost Andrew Yang. And so I do expect the field to win more. Um, last t- year time, it was just Sanders versus Clinton. So, you know, if we if there were two candidates by, uh, you know, April, let's say, or May, it would be good. But if there's any year that it's going to be atypical and you could have four or five people still through, you know, the early part of the summer, I think it'd be this year because nobody certainly is running away with the delegate count. And especially if you're self-funding and you can you know, either get donations or have your own money, there's not the incentive that it used to be to drop out, which, you know, will further split the delegates and, uh, and party heading into the summer. 
Wow, it's starting to uh, take on the characteristics of a reality show here, you know, as we winnow people down uh, to the denouement sometime in July. Really appreciate your insights. We're watching with fascination. Perhaps we'll talk again. Aaron, all the best. Well, that'd be great. Anytime. You got it. Aaron Call, Director of Debate at the University of Michigan and editor, co-author of Debating the Donald. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.